You don't root for NFL, do you? I do. What are you, Atlanta? I am not. I'm the Saints. The Saints? <laughs> of all the random teams you could pick, why the Saints? I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say well, that. Well, I'm sure every living being who watches football would say that, not just me. No, no, no. no, no Even no, Saints no. fans would say that. Really? No. Why? What? <laughs> if you're a Saints fan, you kind of like a Cowboys fan. you either true or you're not. Now, if anybody can be a fan, like Cowboys fans are Cowboys fans for no reason. For no reason. <laughs> like, we at least as Saints fans, we have a reason. Well, what is your reason? I mean, I think they're a good team. You know, don't you remember In that Super Bowl? In which universe was this? You know that Super Bowl they stole from us? We should have been able to, like, lock down at least one. What was that, the Colts and Saints? It's a disrespectful game. I, re- I barely remember that. <gasps> I'm, I'm still not over that. That was the Colts that beat the... Uh, you don't have to keep saying it. Wasn't that... Why do you keep saying it? Peyton Manning oh. won his Super Bowl that day. Thank you, Bill. Who was the quarterback for the Saints that day? I don't even know. Exactly. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't even think that we have to take this abuse. I don't even want to participate in the conversation. I'm, I'm pretty sure that our entire episode now is going to be focused on... Did you not see me try to back away because I knew you were going to keep going? Oh, the Colts won. Yeah, the Colts more you won. backed away, the more I kept coming up yes. in your business. So I thought, just don't answer any questions. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 14 of Black, White, and Blue in the South, a podcast discussing democratic politics with a Southern flair. Yeah. I'm Bill Kimler. I'm Jamil Brooks. And we're coming to you from Greenwood, South Carolina, a little red county in a very red state. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating, tell your friends about us, follow us on social media, or better yet. Oh, gosh. Let's send a condolence letter and some flowers to the campaign of former Vice President Michael Pence, which sadly passed away last week at the age of eight months. Our thoughts and prayers go out to them and their loved ones who are suffering during this difficult time. Oh my gosh. You did not just do that. <laughs> you can always drop us a note at black, white, blue, in the south at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, topic ideas. You pick a subject and have us run with it. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and even threads. We have a Linktree page that can connect you to everything. So look at those show notes. That's where we'll have those links and links to all material mentioned in today's episode. As South African author Christina Engela said, if you don't do politics, trust me, politics will do you. Oh, I like it. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jamil, as we record this, it is just before Halloween. It is. Are you ready for Halloween? Yes. Are you a Halloweeny? Are you into that holiday? I think, not that I'm into that holiday, but I love to see the kids. So it is going to be nonstop that Good. day. Good. I love tr- I love trick or treat. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big costume guy. Are you really? <laughs> I am. I am. I'm into that whole thing and I've got this scary scarecrow costume with like a really hideous mask but the full no head to toe scarecrow looking outfit. <laughs> and I can stand very still oh, in a pose that makes me look like I'm a little off kilter with uh, straw stuffing all coming out and there's always a debate with the younger trick or treaters or even the older ones. Is that real? 
is that real? And they come up and I get poked, I get touched, and I go, blah! <laughs> no way. Scare the bejeebers oh, out of them. There wow. are many kids in green with, with PTSD. Thanks to you. Because, thanks to my efforts. Thanks so much. So I love it. <laughs> I love the Halloween. I also remember when Halloween became political. Mm. You know, this is the uh, 2020, I believe. And you had that guy, Kyle Rittenhouse. You remember mm, him? I remember him. He was the guy in Wisconsin that decided, oh, there's some disturbance going on downtown. I'm going to yeah. grab me a gun and yeah. go, you know, get in some trouble. And he ended up killing two people. Sure did. And then he became the rallying cry of the far right. Yes. And I remember that Halloween because there was a neighbor who dressed up as Kyle Rittenhouse. Oh, my God. Running around in camo with the... Uh, with a, a, a toy automatic rifle slung over him, dressed up to look like Kyle Rittenhouse. And I'm thinking, really? You find humor in dressing up as a guy that just killed two people? That That's funny. Yeah. Some other thoughts. We have been asked to be guests on the All About Nothing podcast, which we'll record with their host, Barrett Gruber, this Thursday. Cool. Barrett is also the owner of Big Media, and we're going to be doing a Zoom chat with him cool. with that episode to release the following Monday, oh, that's uh, cool. November 6th. So okay. that week, you will get a double dose of Bill and Jamil. Yep. Yeah, I'm ready. Saturday, October 28th was First Responders Day. It was. I saw your post. Oh, thank you. How cute. I am very proud that both of my children, they're grown, they're in their mid-20s, but they have served uh, my daughter Amanda as an ambulance squad volunteer. She's now a full-time registered nurse. Wow. And then my son was a volunteer firefighter. Yeah. But it didn't just start with them. My mother, I remember as I was growing up, she was also on a volunteer ambulance squad. Wow. She was issued one of those, what do you call, scanners. And yeah. So she would leave it sitting out playing all day long while we're eating dinner. And then she would get the little squeal indicating her squad was needed. Wow. She'd rush out the door and hop in the ambulance and, and off she went. So I'm very proud of her, proud of my kids, proud of all first responders. Yeah. Mad respect for all you do. They just don't get enough recognition. And then the final notice is that we have a Greenwood County Democratic Party breakfast meeting this Saturday, November 4th, with a pair of exciting speakers. We have Sean Tate Morton, who's with... Do you know Shantae? I do. Oh, she's amazing. She's awesome. She is the Community Outreach Coordinator of Carolina Health Center, and she will talk about the open enrollment period coming up for the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. We will also have Stephen Edward Buckingham. Okay. He is a lawyer from Greenville, runs a private practice out there. Mm -hmm. But what is he known for? Well, he was the lead litigant against the state of South Carolina last year. Mm -hmm. He filed a lawsuit on behalf of four South Carolina residents challenging a budget earmark that was put forth by Representative John McCravey from Greenwood to take $1.5 million of our taxpayer money Mm -hmm. to build a Bible school in Greenville. Oh, no, you didn't. Which kind of goes against our state constitution yes, and uh, U.S. constitution and a bunch of other things. And John McCravey was quoted in the paper as he didn't read it when he submitted it. And I am excited to hear what he has to say about what it's like to sue the state. Uh, and I believe they ended up victorious, at least that budget item was removed okay. after the fact. Okay. Um, so it'll be interesting to hear. So to learn more about our meeting, which, by the way, is open to everyone... Please see the show notes and RSVP. We would love to have you there. Most definitely. Fired up! Ready to go! Ready to go! Fired up! Fired up! Ready to go! Ready to go! 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 F
Jamil, it's time to talk about our campaigns. Yay. Now, we have not officially filed to run because that period does not open up until mid-March. Correct. But we've announced and we're fundraising and we're doing stuff. Is there anything you wish to highlight that occurred during the past week? I think the highlight for me is just learning. So... Every week is going to be something new that I've learned. You know, our talk with our vote builder, that was exciting to actually go through that process. So for me, the exciting part is I'm learning. So you put in your order with the state party to get access. Did you get a response yet? I did. Oh, fantastic. Get a sign on. Did you log in? Wait, wait, wait. Now you just, I'm getting nervous. So so I have more paperwork to complete, but then I'll have access to vote builder, which is wonderful. I look forward to giving you all the training and making you the vote builder genius. Yeah. That's awesome. You and I had a strategy meeting last week. Which I thought was very beneficial. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah, I did too. Jamil and I met at Panera Bread. We did. Brought out our laptops, had some dinner, chatted and, and strategized and really no agenda just all over the place, but yeah. getting our thoughts down and organizing and doing assignments. Yeah. Uh, we need to find an office, though. We do. We cannot keep doing this at Panera Bread. I'm going to blow up from eating that delicious food. But it's so worth it. It absolutely okay. is. Yeah. I'll eat the food. <laughs> <laughs> also had a little snafu that I will confess to. Oh, Bill. This is funny. It's just the reality of of running (laughs) campaigns. Uh, So Jamil and I are running a coordinated campaign. And one of the items that we're creating is a little business card. That's her information on one side, my information on the other. Because our district's touch overlap to a good extent that's right and sometimes people don't even know what district they're in for the house so why not give them both our names and if they see us on the ballot they know to vote for us exactly so i created this design it's a beautiful design put the order in ordered 500 cards gosh and i was looking forward to giving you your half of it today and i was ready and i got it and i even took pictures of it was ready to text you and then i noticed something I noticed that the phone number I put on my side of the card was not my phone number. It was your phone number. My number. I did a little copy and paste and forgot to update my number before I placed that order and went, no. Now, fortunately, business cards are cheap. That was only 35 bucks. Okay. You know, so it wasn't like a major investment, but yeah. it was a good lesson learned. You know what the lesson is? What? You don't do design after 11 p.m. at night. Don't. Because you just dang blang tired. <laughs> Keeping that term. <laughs> yes, I, I'm using it every day. I love Dang Blang now. If I had another kid, I'd name him Dang Blang. No, you wouldn't. First name Dang, That's middle name Blang. Name. Dang Blang Kimler. <laughs> Another thing that's important, I think, from a campaigning point of view is being public and visible as often as you can. You do a great job with it. Well, we try. Yeah. And there's there's so many more opportunities that are missed that I only find out about after the fact. So yeah. just need to be aware. So this is Halloween week. There was a free Halloween event on Thursday called the Boo Bash. Boo Bash. Went up there with the family. I didn't dress as the Scarecrow that day. I went as Gru from the Minions. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you. You saw me? A picture. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know you were there. I was. Then on Friday was Wagoween fundraiser for the Humane Society of Greenwood. That was at Inn on the Square. Yeah. And I did wear the scary costume. Oh, my goodness. And it was funny because I went up to one of the board members. 
uh, with the costume. And I said, hey there, how are you? It completely ignored me. She just kept looking straight ahead, wouldn't even turn to, to even acknowledge I was there. So I said, fine. You know, later on, I do approach her again and I tapped her on the shoulder and she looked at me and she was not thrilled to be tapped on the shoulder by Scary Scarecrow. Yeah. And she goes, who is that? I looked up my mask and she went, oh, it's Bill. Oh my gosh. She was with her friend and she said, remember I told you about how that creepy jerk tried to talk to me and I wouldn't pay him any attention? <laughs> it was you. That was Bill. <laughs> so there I am in public uh, making a great impression among my possible constituents. <laughs> Not great. <laughs> it was a blast event though. Well attended, lots okay. of fun. And now my wife was with me. You know what she dressed up as? What? You ever see the Barbie movie? I haven't seen it I yet. I haven't seen okay, it. There's this character called... Crazy Barbie? I may get it wrong, but people know what I'm talking about. She went as Crazy Barbie. Crazy hair, makeup, paint all over her outfit. Oh, Just wow. nuts. Cool. So no main topic today. We have quite a bit of backlog of news items we would like to cover. Yeah. So let's get to it. For up to the minute reports, stay tuned to this station. Now the news. Anderson County's Democratic chair resigned last week citing the party's primary plans and Biden's Gaza policy. Now, this kind of carries this trend of Democratic leaders and candidates abandoning ship, I would call it, Mm -hmm. and leaving their posts because of some disagreement or disillusionment. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about this because I actually know this gentleman. His name is Chris Sally. Okay. Very, very nice young man. Um, I've known him for uh, maybe two years. He ran for state house the same year I did. I remember. He was a first-time candidate. He's got the biggest heart in the world. And to see this news article come out was a little bit surprising Mm -hmm. and I'll confess disappointing. Now, I haven't talked with him about it, but his quotes were extensive in this news article yeah, and shows where he was out. So basically, he resigned for two reasons. Okay. One, he was upset with the state party over the presidential primary plans. The state party, as well as the national party, throwing its support behind incumbent President Biden, yes. saying, we think he's done a great job. He's given a lot of love to South Carolina, and we're going to support him. You know, if there's a primary, they'll hold it, which they have to by law, but it yeah. doesn't mean they have to to be unbiased, you know, in this particular case, because you have an incumbent president. Yeah. As party officials, you don't get involved in the primary process. Mm -hmm. But I think being that there's an an incumbent, it's a little bit different. And and what are we down to now in terms of actual candidates that could be on the primary? Well, RFK Jr. is no longer Democrat. Yeah. You have Marianne Williamson, who's gone through her second campaign crew in South Carolina. They've all just up and left. So I don't think she has a crew now. Her campaign's kind of quiet. So there's nobody left but Joe Biden. That's it. Now, there's this new guy that came out from Minnesota. I want to forget his name, to be honest. But he's ignoring South Carolina. He's going to treat New Hampshire as being the first primary in the nation as a slap in the face to South Carolina, Mm -hmm. who was designated to be the first primary. So there really is no other candidate to primary other than Joe Biden. Yeah. To use that as a reason to quit, it was a little disappointing. Mm Mm-hmm. And and in October to issue your resignation and say, I'm upset with the state party about the primary process doesn't ring solid to me. Okay. The other reason given was the Biden policy on the war in Israel and Gaza. Hmm. And the fact that it has been so pro-Israel, and I think Chris wants peace. 
you know, ultimately that's what he wants. He wants a larger cry for a ceasefire. He wants the innocent lives, and there are innocent lives being killed yeah. on both sides. I yes. mean, you know, the initial attack on Israelis was nothing but innocent lives being lost yes. and murdered in horrendous ways. And now it's the people in Gaza that are bearing the brunt of the retribution of that with thousands of them being killed in a very disproportionate way. You don't want innocent lives being lost, but I don't get those that are shouting death to Israel or death to to Palestine and, and just the hatred on both sides is an unwinnable situation. Okay. The Biden administration has done as best as they can. Obviously, the United States is an ally of Israel yes. uh, for many reasons. But I also have seen where, where Biden has been instrumental in getting Israel to open up and allow humanitarian aid into Gaza. Mm-hmm. He's been instrumental in getting monetary aid out there, and he is calling for them to be a little more measured in their response. Yeah. What's the alternative? You know, you see the alternative with the Republican response, like a Tim Scott or a Ron DeSantis, and they are just fervently overboard in the pro-Israel side. They're just extreme in one direction, not even acknowledging more more innocent lives. Yeah, not even acknowledging that innocent lives in Palestine are being lost right now. You know, if you had to choose which response you're going to stand behind, it's going to be Biden's response. And even if it's not all the way where you are personally, is that the reason you leave your leadership position? Mm. You know, do I agree with Biden on everything? No. No. But you know what? I've got a responsibility that the voters of Greenwood County entrusted me in to be their chair, which has nothing to do with national politics or even state politics for yeah. that matter. It has yeah. to do with county politics, and I'm there to support and inform and educate the voters in Greenwood County. So my question becomes, and no disrespect for the decision that has been made for Mr. Sally, but my question becomes, what is the end result? What was the anticipated end result? You resign from a party where you were supporting the members of that particular community and where you were the voice of that community, you and your party were, where you could express your points of view to the South Carolina Democratic Party maybe even up to the DNC. So what happens now? You're right. He was not being stopped from expressing his opinions. You still had, you had a voice. He had a platform as you had a larger platform than you will have now by stepping down and realigning. Now, he did say that he still supports the Democratic Party. He aligns with, you know, the whole platform. So he's not abandoning and calling himself independent. He's not calling himself Republican like we've seen some do in the past. Yeah. He's just stepping aside from leadership. And if he had other reasons for it, I mean, I know he's a big advocate for mental health and and maybe it was a mental health break he needed. That's perfectly understandable. But these two reasons, I just didn't get it. Yeah, we're not here to question his decision. Um, He did say that this was just something that built up. Right, right. And whenever you know that, you know that there were, I guess my grandma would say, the straw that broke the camel's back. It's been a number of things that have driven him to that point. But I agree with you to say, not to say that he doesn't get to say the reason why he wants to quit. His reason is his reason, and I'm cool with that. But those two reasons, if you're going to put those out there, require more. I agree. Now, he's the second county party chair in his recent months that has resigned. We also had John Kralovich, who resigned from the York County Democratic Party um, about a month ago. And in, back in early October, he wrote, quote, the time has come for me to pass the baton. I am no longer able to execute the requirements of this office at the level I expect of myself and at the level this party deserves. This decision has been on my mind for some time, but my resignation will be effective today. I can respect that. And then he went on to describe the accomplishments as well as the areas where he felt that he and the party has fallen short and wishes well to the next person in line. He said that 
you know, he can no longer serve at the capacity that is being expected. So I'm going to take that. I'm going to take him at his word for that. State House report, fragility of our democracy is being tested now. And right after you just did the article on leaders of the county Democratic Party stepping down, I think this is an interesting take on where we are in the realm of democracy. Now, the State House report is run by one guy. Who, it is. Um, Andy Brack Andy is his Brack. name. Did you know that Andy Brack spoke with the Greenwood County Democratic Party at last year's Carnell Drummond Mays Banquet? I did not. He was the keynote speaker. Wow. So he mentioned some things that I thought were really key. And so what this is definitely something you should check out in the show notes. The president impl- imploring people to do the right thing. Congress can't get their act together. The speaker had to go through 15 rounds before capturing the majority of the vote. So it it appears as if democracy is truly in disarray. And that causes, if we ever wonder why um, you have people who don't believe in the power of the vote or the power of the system, is when you look at foolery that is occurring on a daily basis and it's being blasted from every news channel, every news station, social media. And then when you hear members of the House or the Senate speak and you hear the disarray, it does cause people to wonder, what are we going for? What are we working toward? He mentioned that this is having an impact on the polarized electorate of the American voters. So what you're finding is that voters on both sides of the aisle are starting to support policies that may go against the U.S. Constitution. So this is definitely a read that I would encourage everyone to check out because he is pointing out really valid points on sometimes you got to not sometimes all times we got to get the house together literally so that people can believe in the individuals that are leading the country or the state and become more invested in what they can do on their end. But if you're looking at disarray and you're seeing presidents saying, hey, these are the things we need to do to come together as one, and you're trying to get people to do right, and then you have the House and the Senate saying, hey, we need bipartisan support, we should work together. That's what they're saying out of one side of their mouth, but then out of the other side, and then with their actions, they're doing things to continuously pull the House and the Senate apart. This is where I think it's very important for people like you and I to be out on the streets constantly, knocking on doors, talking with people, going to events, because this clown show that you see in Washington, D.C. about not being able to pick a speaker and going over three weeks of no activity in the U.S. Congress because they couldn't pick their own leader from themselves. It's up to people like you and I to restore that faith in government. They'll see us. They don't see those people from Washington, D.C. They're never going to see a Jeff Duncan walking up and down the streets of Greenwood and McCormick, but they'll see you you and I, and they can get faith in us and hear what we have to say and know somebody and have a phone number and an email address that they can reach out to and a name that they know. Yeah, they get a response. Then to your point that you've made just in almost every one of our episodes, restoring the faith in the vote. We can do that by being out there and giving them something to have faith in. I thought this was interesting. In his work, he stated that 69% of the individuals that were surveyed by the politics at the University of Virginia, 69% of those individuals stated they're Democrats but stated that they are starting to veer toward more of an authoritarianism. Yeah, like it blew my mind. Like you really prefer this is the way you're leaning now? What are we doing wrong? And how do we fix this and fix it fast? 69%. That's scary. 
I want to understand a little more about what they mean by authoritarian. So nearly half of the overall sample frequently expressed opinions that veered towards authoritarianism. And I think that is because they don't see the structure that they think they need to see. So in their minds, if it is a little more streamlined, if things this is the way it has to go, this is the way it's going to go. They feel as though they're safer that way. So basically, Congress is so ineffective right now. Correct. They would like to see a strong president just blow through whatever say, the this is it. priorities are and bypass them you guys to get it done. You're not doing your job. I'm going to do it for you. That's right. That's scary. We may cover this in more detail in a later episode, but for now, I want to share the news that came out last week that the South Carolina Educators Association has filed a lawsuit against the state of South Carolina over a recently passed school voucher bill which they call educational savings accounts to get around that word voucher, $6,000 to go to families throughout South Carolina that meet certain criteria. And they could use this $6,000 to anything they want that's education related. They could use it towards buying a laptop or books or tutoring. But where is it really going to go? to private and religious educational institutions. That's where these funds go. So the South Carolina Association of Teachers or of Educators said, yeah, we're not supporting this because it's taking funds away from South Carolina public schools. Although the legislators say, no, it's not. It is, right? When you dig down into it, the money that would have come to the school because of that student being in attendance is no longer going to come to that school. Correct. And now you've got this other money, the $6,000 per student that's going to go to a private institution, for-profit institutions. Institutions, by the way, that don't have the same criteria of accepting other students of need or students with disabilities or students of other religions, they can deny them attendance to those schools. So these private religious institutions don't even play on an equal playing field. And now they're going to get an infusion of cash. And besides that, the two at these schools is usually far more than the $6,000. So if you're a poor family and now you get these $6,000 and you want to go to Bob's Christian School down the street, but Bob's Christian School just jacked up their tuition to $15,000 a year, where are you going to get the difference from? You're not. You can tell I'm a little excited about this topic because it's been weighing on my mind a lot. I'm a former teacher. You're a current teacher. This is a topic of interest to both of us. Your thoughts, Jamil? It's a bunch of crap. Um, <laughs> So listen, listen, the bottom line is you're absolutely right. Schools receive funds based on the number of enrollees that you have. And if you take a student away from a school, one student, you might not see the funds decrease. Two students, you might not see the funds decrease. But 30, 40, 50 students, you're definitely going to be able to see that in that school's bottom line. Uh, Candace Edison, a parent from Greenville, the Greenville County, she was listed in this article and she said, and she summed it up well, so shout out to her. Our public schools already lack sufficient resources, so it makes no sense to use school vouchers to divide our already limited state funds between public schools and an unaccountable private schools. She summed it up. There's nothing that you can tell me in any stance that is in favor of doing this. I believe this is a blatant and direct attack to continue to dismantle public education. Oh, indeed it is. There was a a major research article called Falling Short of Minimally Adequate, How South Carolina's Low Standard for Education Must Be Reinterpreted. And they go on to show that these educational savings accounts benefit nobody. 
They don't increase performance of the students that use it. They only decrease the ability of the existing schools to serve the students that are left behind. And it just does damage all across the board. I mean, we're fighting every day, South Carolina. You're already ranking 48, 49, 50 on a good day. You want some rankings? Go. There's a common complaint that's made by the other side. Why do you keep throwing money at a system or an institution that's failing? Right. So they're agreeing, yeah, our public school systems are terrible. At the bottom of the list, 48th, 50th sometimes, why do we keep throwing money at them? My response is simple. Are we really throwing money We're at not. them? South Carolina ranks at the bottom half of spending per pupil in public education. We're number 34 to be exact. South Carolina spends on average $11,000 per student per year and teachers make $53,000 on average. Compare that to the top state. New York spends $25,000 per student. South Carolina, $11,000. Their teachers make an average of $90,000 a year. South Carolina makes 53. Tell me that we're throwing money at our education system. It's like talking to a starving person and saying, well, why do you continue to send them food? They're still hungry. Let's take the food away. That's it. And that'll fix the problem. That's it. So you said it from the outright. It's about a dismantling of the public education system. You're taking a starving person and taking away the food, that person's going to die. But you know what? And I think this is where it calls for voters to realize that I need you to believe in your power when it comes down to going to the polls. The people who are holding the seats and that are voting may not be of the public school system. So if you are a senator and you did not attend the public school system and you do not have any of your children, grandchildren or any of your descendants that are part of the public school system, maybe you don't see the value. But I'm of the public school system. My family is of the public school system. And I don't care what anybody say. We were prepared. We are prepared to be leaders of organizations, leaders of states and leaders of anything else that you got. And we got it from the public school system. Hey, I'm a product of both public and private schools. So I went to public school and I also went to Catholic high school. Okay. So that was a private religious school. And let yeah. me tell you, the education at that Catholic high school was no better than what I got in the public schools. Yeah. It was the same discipline problems, the same scores, the same everything. There was nothing different other than the money went to the Catholic church. And if, and if you want to know what, I'm paraphrasing, why do we keep throwing money at something that's not working? How how about you ask the people who are doing the work? Ooh. So what about have a conversation with educators that are currently in the field, working in public education? Hear them out. Don't handpick because this is where we go wrong when it comes down to gathering information and reporting stats. Go into the schools. Don't handpick. You got enough people. Why don't you tour the schools in South Carolina and have a conversation with the educators that are there to tell you what they think is the problem? You can't fix a problem and you not of it. That's right. Uh, finally, I would note that this isn't something that's an experiment for South Carolina. This isn't something that's brand new that we can try out and see if it works or see if it doesn't. Other states in this country have gone down the same path. And we have already seen evidence in Arizona, Georgia, Florida, Iowa, and other states that empirically prove that these programs do not result in academic improvements. And in fact, end up with taxpayer dollars going into the pockets of private investors. Missouri, for example, recent headlines Line said that most of 140 schools getting tuition payments are religiously affiliated. 
They include schools that require being active in a Christian church, as validated by a pastor, schools that appear to bar students from same-sex households, basically, in short, schools that receive financial support from taxpayers whose kids would be barred from attending those schools for religious reasons. And ain't no way under the son of God you think we're going to be okay with you taking our money to fund a school that we can't even go to. Last episode, we talked about that exact same thing with the foster care system. Public money going to institutions that can discriminate against those very same taxpayers. No, we ain't going to have it. In the most disgusting news item we're going to cover in our episode today, there is a Moms for Liberty chair who pushed for the removal of an Anne Frank book and then went on a network known for attacking seditious Jews. We've got our Republican lawmakers on social media and on TV and giving speeches just going over the moon about Israel and supporting Israel and the fact that they are now the biggest friends of the Jewish population. Meanwhile, they are also big supporters of this book-banning, (laughs) book-burning Moms for Liberty organization (laughs) where one of the leaders is actually on networks that deny the Holocaust. Uh, I'll read the opening paragraph. A Moms for Liberty chair who previously fought a library for having an adaption of Anne Frank's diary recently promoted her organization on an anti-Semitic network that warns viewers about seditious Jews, Jewish tyrants, and how Jewish people have forsaken God. So how is it that with one side of the mouth, a Republican leader like Tim Scott will denounce every university in this country that had any type of pro-Palestine march or um, any type of stance that way? And then at the other side of his mouth, support Moms for Liberty, who is literally on anti-Jewish networks promoting their organization. And I noticed you don't have a response for that. (laughs) (laughs) It is something that stops you dead in your tracks. I mean, what can you say? This network is called True News, run by a guy named Rick Wiles, who is a known anti-Semite. He has said of the Jewish people, quote, that's the way the Jews work. They are deceivers. They plot. They lie. They do whatever they have to do to accomplish their political agenda. This is a quote from this guy on the network. Then he turns around and interviews Moms for Liberty leader Jen Pippen. And they have a nice old conversation about banning Anne Frank's book. How about that? You know what? We say this. We've said it before. It's not our quote, but we're going to use it. Game recognized game. How would he know what the Jews are doing and how deceitful they are? It's because he is probably participating in something similar. So I this, mean, for you to come and just tear a whole population down. You notice how it's a it's a one and done. It's not a Jewish person. It's all of them. So if you had a bad experience with one person... It's everybody. If you had a bad encounter with one white guy, it's all white guys. If you had a bad encounter with a black woman, it's all black women. It is not. Listen, I had a wonderful encounter with somebody named Jamil. And so now I love all the Jamils out there. So it can work in a positive way once in a while. (laughs) It can. It really can. So this guy, Rick Wiles, finished with that interview. He said, we are on your side. We will help Moms for Liberty in anything you need. So you can see what kind of people Moms for Liberty attracts and the supporters that are are there. And Pippin, the Moms for Liberty leader, she said at the end, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And I have yet to hear one Republican conservative leader denounce Moms for Liberty. No. No. 
Nope. I mean, Nikki Haley did a spiel and she was proud of them and supported them. She their was work right there at their conference. Was that said, the same conference where the lady got up and opened it with a Hitler quote? Oh, Do you I think so. That? I think I think that may have been it. Oh, it and was I went, nasty. Is, is it me and nobody would see anything wrong with this? Here you are standing beside a person or an organization that promotes hate and discrimination. And you say you appreciate them. So what I ask of you, and, and I'll conclude with this thought, if you have a Republican elected official that says anything about being pro-Jewish and denouncing anti-Semitism, ask them two things. One, why are they okay with public dollars going to a foster care system that denies Jewish people the ability to foster a child? And then two, why do they support Moms for Liberty, whose leaders go on a virulent anti-Semitic network to promote their cause? Ask them that and ask them why they don't oppose any of those things. And that's a wrap for this episode of Black, White, and Blue in the South. We hope you enjoyed what you've heard. If you made it here to the end of the episode, you must have loved it. So why don't you take a quick minute and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever it is you use to listen to us. It'll make Jamil's day. Yes, it will. If you are a blue dot in a red sea, keep the faith. Keep up the hard work. Change only happens over many years of work and dedication. So get off the sidelines and get in the game with us. Yeah. You won't find better teammates. I promise you that. Yay. Good job, Bill. Do, 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 do. The end. The preceding podcast is a product of Big Media and copyright 2023. All rights reserved.